Sisters and Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. It is a hymn sing with Sarah Day. Yeah, it is. Ah! And I'm super excited. I'm I'm excited about all of these. I don't. I'm, who am I kidding? Um, but this one, <laughs> this is the part two of the communion hymns episode, and that one aired. Oh, I don't know, a month ago, maybe. We'll link it in the show notes. Don't worry. Um, if you missed the other one, those were hymns from the year 1715 to the present, as included in Lutheran service book. So this time we're going further back into history. And these are all of the hymns prior to the year, written prior to the year 1715. Mm. And the majority of these were probably written very immediately post-Reformation because that's when German hymnody, Lutheran hymnody was like the thing to be doing. Mm. So this is also Reformation Month, which is very exciting for us Lutherans. Mm. And we have 16 of these hymns in our hymnal, many of which are very, very Reformation-y, very appropriate. And these, according to the the poll in the Facebook group, these were probably more of the more familiar hymns mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the newer hymns that some people were like, I've never even sung these. Are these even in our hymnal? But people mm-hmm. were all over these older hymns. Mm-hmm. All of them, except for four, were also in the Lutheran hymnal TLH, which could be why they were a little bit more popular. We've And they're older. We've just been singing them longer, so they have a little bit more memory We have Mm -hmm. more memory of them, a lot more nostalgia with these, the stories that people were telling about these hymns. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of nostalgia happening. So just a lot of love happening for this list of hymns. It's a good list. It is a very good list. These are also, because these are the older hymns, none of them were written in English originally. Mm -hmm. English hymnody, especially in our more confessional Orthodox quote unquote traditions, was definitely a later invention. Uh, so all of these come to us from other languages translated into English. Mainly these were German originally, but there are some Latin and Swedish variety also thrown in there just to spice it up a bit. And so I've mentioned this before. When we get those uh, translated hymns into English, we always kind of lose something just because you can't literally translate from one language into another and keep everything. It just doesn't really work. Mm. So. There's some of that, and I'll get to that more in a little bit. There's some fun stories about one of the hymns of uh, what we lose in the translation. Um, But if anyone can do it, it's our girl, Catherine Winkworth. And I'm imagining that she shows up up a lot in today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. She had a gift. So this is a bit of a who's who of Lutheran hymnody. Like the same names just kept showing up. And because a lot of these hymns were written in within like a hundred year span of each other, it's like these people all knew each other and they're all writing all these hymns. And then Catherine Winkworth comes along and just translates all of them. She was the goat. <laughs> mm. She didn't translate all of all of them, but she does. She did translate several of them. Okay, so hang on a second. There might be some listeners who don't understand Catherine Winkworth. No, oh, not the, Catherine oh, Winkworth, but the goat. Both. They might be thinking you're Catherine Winkworth her. was a goat. What? Was the goat. The goat. I mean, what I, does that mean? Explain, Brie. Goat, the goat, G O A T, is another way to say the greatest of all time. We just love acronyms. That's what the children say, anyhow. Exactly. The goat. The goat. So, yes, Catherine is the goat of hymn translations. Absolutely. So, uh, the results of the poll were 
somewhat surprising and somewhat not. And maybe it was only surprising because I know the order that I would put these hymns in and other people didn't follow my order. So I was like, what are you thinking? (laughs) So maybe just not surprising. I don't know. Um, So as of, well, I checked right before we started recording, the top two are separated by one vote, which when I originally wrote this episode was not accurate. The top hymn was actually winning by a good like 40 or 50 votes. But that changed Hmm. (laughs) as of like yesterday. I checked just Hmm. to make sure. And they were I know, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to like reorder my notes right Mm -hmm. before we we recorded today to accurately reflect the poll as it stands right now. So coming in at number one is I Come, O Savior, to Thy Table. Zero surprise at that one. That I mean, that is like the quintessential Lutheran communion hymn. And Mm -hmm. when we get to the end of this episode, I will actually share some more about this. I also included, I lumped it in with Thy Body Given for Me, O Savior, which is the next hymn in LSB 619, just because they were one hymn in TLH and I grew up on TLH. So for the purposes of sharing about this hymn, they're going to be lumped together later. Mm. Coming in at number two, At the Lamb's High Feast We Sing. Not really surprising either. I gotta say, did this in a previous hymnal, was this in the Easter section? It yes. still is. It's, no, it is definitely a communion hymn in LSB. In a previous hymnal, I suppose. In it's LW. Still, yeah, it uh, was in. Uh, uh, okay. It was moved. You guys are still in my notes. How I it was, this. <laughs> what? Okay. It was moved for LSB. It was originally an Easter hymn in LW. It was moved to the communion section in LSB. Okay. However, we always sing it at Easter anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, Number first Easter communion hymn. Always. Right. Mm. Always. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere. Mm. <laughs> Number three, let all mortal flesh keep silence. Again, not surprising. It's a fantastic one. And we covered this one in the Advent hymn sing because people went rogue and pulled in yeah. communion hymns into my Advent hymn poll. <laughs> Mm. So I actually already talked about this one in a previous episode, but we'll cover it again. The You know, the highlights, just so people aren't sad. Um, number four, draw near and take the body of the Lord. Number five, soul adorn yourself with gladness, which I'm pretty sure is my favorite out of the entire poll. Wow. Number, I know, I know. Number six, I actually said I had a favorite. Number six, <laughs> oh Lord, we praise thee. That one's that one's a fan favorite of a mm-hmm. lot of people. Not uh, number me. S- <laughs> Number seven, your table I approach. Number eight, thy body given for me, O Savior, if we count it as a separate because it is separate in LSB, but apparently I'm a hymn purist about this one. I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't sound right. Number nine, Lord Jesus Christ, you have prepared. Number 10, O living bread from heaven, which if you sing that one without dancing, I don't. I don't know how that you can sing. That is a dancing one. You're right. It, that is a You're dancing right. one. You just have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 11, O Jesus, blessed Lord to thee. Number 12, Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. I love that one too. Number 13, now my tongue, the mystery telling. When I wrote these notes for the entire 24 to 48 hour period after I wrote these notes, that one was stuck in my head and it, I could <laughs> not. I love it. Mm-hmm. Number 14, Lord Jesus Christ, life-giving bread. 15, thee we adore, O hidden Savior. That's, I don't know. More people need to sing that one. Mm. And rounding it out at number 16, the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. I had a really hard time picking which of these to write about. And I did not include all of them. Don't worry. This will not be a three-hour podcast. <laughs> I think I... Yes. I think I maybe... I'm not talking about like four of them, though. So. <laughs> 
Yes. It, it's fine. Buckle up, ladies. Here we go. The, the thing is with these, so this is a very topical hymn sing episode. And so, I mean, we don't have to talk about what they're talking what, what the texts are in the hymn because they're all talking about communion so this is we, we get a little bit of a historical snippet of all of these because there are some fun things to know about and i did legitimately check all of the boxes on the facebook poll this time this is the first time i've done that because i legitimately could not choose so before i get into all of the the fun historical background of all of these hymns ladies i want to know the three of you if you have a favorite on this list <laughs> and what that favorite is. <laughs> I find at first I thought I was going to select soul adorn yourself with gladness. But yes. then I realized that really what I like is uh, in the is gladness, <laughs> not, not soul adorn yourself with gladness. So I, I knocked that one back out of, out of consideration. As we have discussed, I'm not a fan of Oh Lord, We Praise Thee. Mm. Why? Uh, because <laughs> it's so stinking long. It's two three pages. Two full pages. Two, and it's, they're essentially two different hymns that they're like, let's just smash them together. But it's meant to be. Uh, yeah. Hater. Mm, it's yes. not any longer than the 15 Hater. Sansa hymns. <laughs> She doesn't like those either. <laughs> I can tolerate them if they've got really solid content, which ma many of them do. Uh, but I'm just not a fan of Oh Lord, We Praise Thee. It's And it seems just sort of doer as well. So anyway, so given that, I, I guess I'll go with that. The Lamb's High Feast we sing, although honestly... I think it's an Easter hymn. <laughs> it's so, in the communion section. <laughs> I know. I, you're right. You're right. It is. So I guess I like. I guess I like the the newer communion hymns more than the old. Some of these, I maybe I would recognize them if I heard them and yeah. and was able to hear them and look at the words. But with the titles alone, like this, I have no idea what like the bottom eight on this list are. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> Yeah, I could sing them all for you, but we'd be here it. a while. <laughs> I, so, but I always love your episodes, Sarah, and so I'm I'm confident that I will gr gain some new appreciation yes. in the course of this episode. She will even convert though you. I've gone into it with maybe less enthusiasm than the 414 plus people who have voted thus far, <laughs> uh, because I'm sure there's more than that. That's only oh, yes. for the top vote so yeah there's a lot of multi-vote people mm -hmm. yeah. myself yeah. included <laughs> exactly. exactly all right rachel Hit okay it. first i have to say i do understand aaron that a really long tiring him can be kind of exhausting but i gotta say that an organist can make or break a mm -hmm. depending on how yes. they play it Absolutely. Sarah, I know you love soul adorn yourself with gladness. I do not because I've rarely encountered the kind of organist who can make that actually feel glad. You there's have to play it faster than most people will play it. Right. You, there's a big difference between soul adorn yourself with gladness and soul adorn yourself with gladness. So, I mean, it really, it, it there's a lot of uh, leeway there in the uh, individual performance. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. And same with Oh Lord, We Praise Thee. I mean, if you don't 
dance your way through that mm-hmm. one. You're not doing it right. And if you've never danced your way through it, of course, you're not going to like it. You're just going to get to the middle of that first stanza and go, are we done yet? No, we're not. <laughs> Only halfway Surprise. through the first verse. What? Why right. do you think say, oh, Lord, have mercy, right before going into the second part of it? <laughs> because we have Amen. like a whole nother half verse to go guys oh, yeah <laughs> give me the um, strength <laughs> but my favorite so Aaron didn't really care for any of the hymns on the list I like <laughs> a lot of them and I'm gonna go with a very cliche choice for my favorite I love I come O savior to thy table and you know thy body given to me O oh, savior all the all the verses all squished together there's just so much joy and reverence in this hymn it was the hymn, the communion hymn that I think got played the most when I was growing mm-hmm. up. I think in a lot of churches. And yet it didn't get old for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some hymns that would be like, oh, that one again. I'm really. But this mm-hmm. one, no, I never, never have gotten tired of it. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that it has a repeatable chorus. So, again, if you're not like Sarah and Luther holding your hymnal as you wait to go up to communion, <laughs> if you're just Which standing well, there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Even by the time you get to verse eight or so, it's Lord, may thy body and thy blood. But there's something to jump into there, even uh-huh. if you're out of your element, you know, in the in the lyrics for the verses. Ooh, um, and when that gets right, as like you just finished taking the communion, you're yes. able to like boom, yeah, bring it home. Like that. Um, great. That's nice. It's great. I also, I mean, I love, I love the poetry in it, but the chorus itself makes a whether you're singing the hymn or not, it makes a wonderful prayer at the communion rail. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll often pray, yeah. you know, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, but also, Lord, may Thy body and Thy blood be for my soul the highest good. As you're kneeling mm-hmm. there to silently pray, that is a wonderful posture mm-hmm. for receiving communion. So. I agree with those 414 and probably more than that by now, ladies, who think that this is perhaps the goat communion hymn. (laughs) 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 So I I don't I don't mind being, uh, you know, going with the crowd this time because I think the crowd is on something. Agreed. All right, Brie. So while while we are on uh on the topic of making like bold scandalous confessions amongst each other i actually after reviewing the you're you're like tell me more um, <laughs> after looking at these uh choices i actually think that i very much love pre 1715 holy communion yes! hymns more than i do the the post reformation amazing i know isn't that a total like role reversal that's I love it. crazy wow. it's crazy i'm here and i like it <laughs> so this legit is maybe even just one of my favorite hymns in general actually and that is lsb 621 let all mortal flesh keep silence mm. yes and that one is a good one if if for no other reason that it's just like this bold, kind of scary, kind of like grandiose song in its word and in like the tune. And I know Aaron disagrees with me, but 
I think that this song could be in a Broadway musical. I do disagree with you. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but as we were talking about the tune, which I'm assuming Sarah will sort of touch on hmm. later. A teeny bit. This is the perfect Broadway musical song because you can have a reprise and have it like end on a very highly positive note, like when the resolution mm-hmm. happens, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, I like the word, the usage of the word van- v- vanguard. Oh, yeah. vanguard. I think just like mm-hmm. the big, like scary angelic imagery is just very, I love it. Yeah, I love it. And it's, mm-hmm. um, when you go to communion too, you sort of think of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, before we all go up, we talk about the angels and the archangels and the whole company of heaven. And mm-hmm. it is, it sort of has this otherworldly feel to it. And so I think that's probably why it's one of my favorite hymns, Six Winged Seraphs and mm-hmm. such. Yeah. Well, you know, we we always sort of just rush through the Sorsum Corda. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. That's one of the oldest parts of our communion liturgy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it literally means put your hearts on the elevator and send them up to heaven because yes. <laughs> you are entering the throne room of God. And mm-hmm. I think you're right, Brie. This hymn just totally captures that awe and mystery of what is really happening in the Lord's Supper. It's just awesome. Um, yes. And it it's may not awesome. be... In a Broadway musical, but any Concordia Ann Arbor grads will know that this is the show-stopping number mm. at the conclusion of mm. the Christmas Time Boar's Head Festival. They use the yes. arrangement by Gustav Holst, yes. uh, full orchestra, full choir, and at the end, the room just rings with the yes. sopranos up in the place that only Sarah likes to live. Yes! And- <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I get that. If there was a Broadway musical that was awesome enough for it, it would fit right in. Yeah, I'm already working out the blocking in my head right now. I mean, (laughs) I agree with everything you're saying about the majesty and the awe and the mystery and the tune. I just don't think Broadway is the place where you experience that. And so that's really... The primary just The time is now. The you. time is now, though. <laughs> it's the perfect time. But, you know, the exception to that, the one thing that I can find to like, I'm like, okay, here I can find one point of agreement in this is the large cast. And so mm, like, yeah. Broadway does feature a large, ca- a large cast. and Big scary and angels and stuff. The yes. largest of all possible casts um, happening at communion with, you know, with all the company of heaven joining together so Brian Gerzewski's Tony Award winning musical <laughs> Eucharist the musical <laughs> I love I do love that there are not cute little angels there are big scary angels because yeah, dude. I feel like that's mm-hmm. much more appropriate accurate alright on that note <laughs> uh, the first Tim Mom- so I'm going to go in poll order of favorite to least favorite but I'm going to put the number one and two at the end so y'all mm, don't turn this off because I'm right. going through from- we're getting there <laughs> that one actually the one at the end of the poll actually has the best stuff in it so anyway um, I am first going to talk about Little Mortal Flesh Keep Silence because that was number three in the poll and this is the one that I already covered in the Advent Hymn Sing from December of 2020 but we obviously love this one mm. for multiple seasons of the church year or multiple 
reasons to sing it in the church year and in our yeah. in our church services. So I'm going to go through a few of the same things that I talked about in that one, but not everything. So you still need to go listen to our Advent hymn sing. So this translation, this hymn is a translation of the Cherubic hymn in the liturgy of St. James, James the Less, the first bishop of Jerusalem. And it's still used by some particular Orthodox churches, mostly the Syriac Orthodox Church. And this is the liturgy that is from 8400. So it's a super duper old liturgy. This hymn is very, very old, which is part of the reason why I think it's super cool. It's the oldest complete liturgy for the Eastern Christian churches. And it, the full liturgy takes about, I don't know, several hours it's to complete. It's very long. I actually it's have it and made my, made my kids read it for their... Uh, ancient history you courses last year I would yeah wow. but it's it's it is because I what I said was go through and see what parts feel familiar and even mm-hmm. though it's about you know five times longer than what they're used to there were tons of parts that felt familiar mm-hmm. including yep. that lift up your hearts uh section. Yep. It's funny. Our liturgy is part of, you know, an old ancient tradition. No way. Anyway, (laughs) the cherubic hymn is sung during the great entrance, which is when the gifts of bread and wine for the Eucharist are carried into the sanctuary. And this form of the cherubic hymn replaces the standard form on Holy Saturday in the divine liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, which is the liturgy generally used in Eastern Orthodox churches. So this is a, a very common part of Orthodox liturgy. Our English translation is by Gerard Moultrie, published in 1864, using language from an 1859 translation of the entire divine liturgy of St. Saint James by John Mason Neal. And John Mason Neal's story is in the Advent podcast because he shows up several times, and he actually shows up several times in this one too. So go listen to that podcast. Mm. Um, Neal's translation is, let all mortal flesh keep silence and stand with fear and trembling and ponder nothing earthly in itself. For the King of kings and Lord of lords, Christ our God, cometh forward to be sacrificed and to be given for food to the faithful. And he is preceded by the choirs of the angels with every domination and power, the many-eyed cherubim and the six-winged seraphim that mm. cover their faces and vociferate the hymn, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Vociferate. <laughs> it's amazing. The tune is French. It's amazing. And I love it. Um, it's a French folk tune first published in Paris in 1860 and originating from the Picardy region of France, which is why the tune is Picardy. And yes, the Holst arrangement that many of us probably know is fantastic and you should go YouTube it and listen to it. It'll, it, it might change your life a little bit. So that is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. Next on the list is Draw Near and Take the Body of the Lord. This is LSB 637. And this is a Latin hymn from the 6th or 7th century of Ireland, Mm. not Germany. Um, But nobody actually knows the author. Uh, The the legend about how this one came about is actually interesting, though. The legend is that it was heard being sung by angels when St. Patrick and St. Secnal or Secundius were reconciled after a bitter dispute. So Secnal was accusing Patrick of shortchanging Christian charity in his preaching. So... Patrick drove over him with a chariot. Oh my goodness. St. <laughs> Patrick, this don't play. <laughs> but God protected Secknall and they reconciled in a church cemetery. And apparently the angels were singing this hymn to them. So that's uh, the legend of how this hymn came about. I okay. like it. This that's fantastic. And <laughs> I always thought of St. Patrick as being like nice and like. <laughs> 
He he's drives snake, over people with chains. He's a snake person. <laughs> Nobody know, wants. God uses Nobody all kinds that. of people. Mm-hmm. It's true, including people with road rage. And <laughs> it's true. It's definitely accurate. This hymn was actually also translated by John Mason Neal, who does show up a lot in our hymnal. He he has translated a bunch. This is to a tune from the Genevan Psalter with our friend Louis Bourgeois. Louis Bourgeois. Louis Bourgeois. Who Louis also Bougie. shows up several times in this podcast. Mm. <laughs> this is really a who's who of people. It's it mm-hmm. was a little mind boggling when I got to the end of my notes. Next is probably my favorite on this entire list. Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness, LSB 636. It has a little bit of a, an interesting twist to it, though. The text is beautiful, I think. Uh, it was written by Johann Frank, who, according to the Hymnal Companion, is second in importance only to Paul Gerhardt among 17th century German hymn writers. Wow. So, it's your favorite. He's got pretty high praise. <laughs> What's really funny, though, is as I was researching Johann Frank's story, he also wrote Jesus Priceless Treasure, which is legitimately a top oh, five hymn for I me. I do love that mm. one. What? That's beautiful. I, yeah. I, like, yelped at my desk while I was writing because yes. <laughs> like, I had no idea that these were written by yes. the same person. <laughs> so Frank is notable also because he wasn't a pastor or the son of a pastor, or a church worker, really, in any regard, which a lot of other hymn writers, especially in this time period, were at some in some form of church work. Um, he lived 1618 to 1677, and he was a lawyer and politician in Guben, which is about 80 miles southeast of Berlin. His father, Johann, was also an attorney and town counselor, but he died when little Johann was a toddler. So little Johann was adopted by his uncle, who was the town judge. This was like a political family, mm. interestingly enough. And he provided for Johann's education. So this guy, he got a very, very, very good education. He when went to, was this again? Uh, Mid-1600s. Okay, keep going. He went to law school at the University of Königsberg, which was the only German university not affected by the Thirty Years' War, interestingly huh. enough. Yeah. And it was there that he developed this love and knack for poetry. And he obviously had really good theological training, too, because he wrote really, really good hymnody. And he had some of that training with Johann Kruger, who was another of these named people of, of high regard. So this hymn appeared in full in 1648 in Johann Kruger's Praxis Pietatis Melica, and it has continued in unbroken regular use in Lutheran churches in Germany and other countries in German and other languages. So this one is a super popular hymn, like, worldwide. Frank was a highly skilled poet, and all 72 lines of this hymn, 72 lines, end mm. in a short E vowel in the German, which we don't get in the English translation. But that is a hard thing to do to end 72 lines yeah. of poetry with a short E vowel. Pretty impressive. Catherine Winkworth is the translation that we have for this one. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Uh, She was not the first or the only translator of this hymn, obviously, for some other languages, too. She originally translated it for her Lyrica Germanica, which is, I mean, that's like her hymn book, which we have talked about before. But she changed the meter from 88887777, which is the number of syllables per line. So if you look at the bottom of him right. and you see that little like weird code thing at the bottom, that's that's the metric that. thing metric for the hymn, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means you can match different texts to different tunes if you match 
the meter. Yep. Anyway, uh, okay. so, uh, so it couldn't be sung to the original tune of eight 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 eight. She messed it up. She fixed that when we translated it again for the chorale book for England in 1863. There have been several versions of uh, these various stanzas in different hymnals, and we ended up with two translations of a single German stanza. So by the end of all of this rigmarole of different translations and different meters and languages and, and all of these things, our Lutheran service book has the original stanzas, except for stanzas four and five, and we have two versions of German stanza seven, one from the editors for LBW, Lutheran Book of Worship, and one from Catherine Winkworth. Wait. So if you look in our hymnal, there's two stanzas that the text might seem a little similar, which I've realized, is, I've noticed this before. It's kind of similar. But that's because it's two different translations of the original German text for that one stanza, if that makes sense. So if you go back, if you compare the English to the German, two of our stanzas equal one of the German stanzas. The battle for stanza seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on the list is Oh Lord, We Praise Thee, which is another fan favorite. And this one came up in last year's Reformation hymn sing because it's a Martin Luther. Luther. Uh -huh. mm. It's not original to him. However, the one stanza version of this was around in the late 14th century known as Eliza which is a religious song where each stanza concludes with some form of Kyrie eleison, which we still have mm. in this hymn, which is why we have O Lord Have Mercy at the end of all three stanzas. <laughs> it's only three stanzas. Mm. <laughs> it was sung either at the end of communion or alternated with verses from Thomas Aquinas, who also shows up several times in this podcast, with his sequence Laudation Salvatorum. And it's amazing how many hymns that we have were part of a sequence in medieval times. This has come up several times in uh, other hymns of this, mm -hmm. the sequence of alternating hymn stanzas with, with other texts. Luther loved this hymn, but he didn't like the theology because it was literally too Catholic. So mm. he re rewrote that one, that single stanza and added two more, which was where we get the three stanzas in our hymnal. And it was the second most popular hymn in German Lutheran liturgies in the 16th and 17th centuries, right after his creed hymn, We All Believe in One True God. So it is rightly a popular hymn. Hmm. I just have to mention, as we're talking about this one, yeah. and I'm confirming right now, and this may have come up when we talked about it last time, that there was a major change between TLH and LSB. And for years after LSB came out, I was thinking, am I crazy? Did I imagine? Yeah. No, I didn't imagine. Yeah. We did talk the about it. Words are different. Yeah, but the words are different and it's confusing. But very different. Yes. Um, because the it, it's in it's the the one that is most noticeable to me is in the first lines of stanza three. LSB has it, may God bestow on us his grace and favor that we follow Christ our Savior. Mm -hmm. TLH. May God bestow on us his grace and favor to please him with our behavior. It's the yes. only hymn in the hymnal that has the word behavior in it and tells you to behave, <laughs> essentially. Um, but then they took that out. So, yeah, now we follow Christ our Savior, which is really the same thing. But yeah, but it's not. But puts the focus a little, a little more appropriate instead of on our behavior. It's on Jesus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. I approve of that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of those. Solid uh, edit. Little check text changes from TLH to LSB. But if you, like me, have gone through wondering, am I crazy? <laughs> You're not crazy. 
Wow. Okay, next is (laughs) (laughs) A Living Bread from Heaven, which you have to dance to this one. Uh, If you don't, you'll never make it through. It's... But I like it. LSB 642, written by Johann Rist, who is another celebrity hymn writer of this time period. He lived 1607 to 1667. Uh, This hymn was published in 1651. And according to the Hymnal Companion, he wrote about 680 hymns. And next to Paul Gerhardt, another one of these next to Paul Gerhardt's, he is one of the most prolific German hymn writers and one of the greatest contributors to Lutheran hymnody. So we have two people, Johann Rist and Johann Frank, being compared to, next to Paul Gerhardt, one mm. of the best. So, but what they're also saying is not Paul Gerhardt. Not Paul Gerhardt, but there's only one Paul, Paul Gerhardt. Mm. <laughs> this time period was like ridiculously rich for Lutheran hymnody, and I love it. In 1644, Emperor Ferdinand II actually crowned Johann Rist a poet laureate. Hmm. And his hymns have been even popular among Roman Catholics. So he's, he's, yeah, he's got some uh, some cred among other denominations, too. Hmm. We don't have a lot of them in English, but we do have four in LSB. We have this one, and then 378, Break Forth, O Beauteous Heavenly Light, which is a beautiful one with a box setting. Mm-hmm. 448, O Darkest Woe, which is like my favorite Good Friday uh, chief service hymn. Yeah. Uh, and then... <laughs> That is ridiculously specific. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go read the words and you'll know why. Mm. And then LSB 625, Lord Jesus Christ, Life-Giving Bread, which is also on this list. So we actually have two Johann Rist hymns that ended up in this list. Hmm. And I will not talk about that one later because I just mentioned it here. This translation was also done by Catherine Winkworth, also in her Lyrica Germanica, published in 1858. In a really weird translation move, though, And if you get out your TLH and your LSB and compare, this is a weird thing. The General Council's Church Book of 1868 chopped off the last third of each stanza. Hmm. And that's essentially what the hymn is like for us in LSB with the translation used for LBW. Hmm. So the tunes are also completely different in TLH versus LSB because it's the, the text is different. It's chopped off at the end. It's very weird. I never I never realized that. So pull out your hymnals if you have hmm. them and go look because it's a little mind blowing what happened to the sim. The tune, however, as we've mentioned, you have to dance to it because it's a Michael Praetorius tune and you can't go wrong with a Michael Praetorius tune because all of his music is amazing. That is actually so just, correct. Legit. Yes. <laughs> it's legit. Johann Rist, just like three sentences about him because he has an interesting story, but I, I wanted to put stories in here of all of these people, but then it would have been a three-hour podcast. So that'll happen later at some point. Uh, Johann Rist lived also during the Thirty Years' War, like Gerhardt and so many of our other favorite Lutheran hymnody people did. Um, and his town was destroyed in 1643, which included all of his musical instruments, mm. which is oh. super sad and mm-hmm. devastating. So this is one of those sad stories that uh you know through that crucible of pain and and loss and all of this he wrote some amazing hymns of comfort and provision through christ so there is your typical hymn writer story of (laughs) pain and loss but writing amazing hymns next on the list oh jesus blessed lord to thee was written by thomas kingo who came up in our hundredth anniversary episode He lived 1634 to 1703. He was pastor and bishop of Odense in the 17th century. So this hymn was published in 1689. And here's some Swedish for you. In 
En Nikirka Salmabok, which was hymns for the season of Advent through Easter. And it uses the old hundredth tune from the Genevan Psalter and our friend Louis Bourgeois. Hey, it's, like, it's like Lutheran bingo happening throughout all of this. Thomas Kingo also wrote 422 on my heart and print your image. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everyone's favorite short Lenten hymn. Exactly, which showed up in that 100th anniversary episode. And he actually has a few more hymns in our hymnal. 548, Thanks to the O Christ Victorious. 601, All Who Believe and Are Baptized. How many times have we sung that one? And 692, Praise to You and Adoration, which is another Louis Bourgeois tune. So who's who of Thomas Kingo hymns? I didn't I didn't even know who this guy was until we did our 100th anniversary episode. And now he's showing up everywhere. we've been doing this for 100 years, Sarah. <laughs> Did I say 100th anniversary? You said it three times. <laughs> three times 100th anniversary. As Aaron would say, it three seems times. like we've been doing it for 100 years. <laughs> 100th episode anniversary? <laughs> yes. Is that what you were looking at me? Yeah. And that was beard yeah. stroking? Yeah. <laughs> three times. <laughs> I love it. I keep getting anniversaries and episode mixed up in everything I say all the time. <laughs> I'm just crying. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next in the list, Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. Did you know that this is a Martin Luther hymn? I did not. I did not either. I do now. Right. <laughs> uh, he translated it in 1524 from a Jan Hus. Original, hmm. Jesus Christus not, Nostra Salvus. Huss was a reformer in Bohemia a little bit before his time. He died for the Reformation that Luther was able fiery to make death. successful. Yeah, mm. very fiery death. Uh, by the grace of God, he, Luther was able to actually do all of these things that Jan Hus was kind of trying to do mm, a little before then. So Luther was especially interested in the Bohemian teaching of the presence of of the body and blood in the sacrament, and their practice of the adoration of Christ, which he later determined that the real presence they got right, but the adoration was a bit over the top. That's so very German. Tra- <laughs> yep. In his <laughs> translation, Luther apparently improved on Huss's theology because the superscription on this hymn says, Das Lied sind Johannes Huss gewässert, which means the hymn of St. John Huss improved. <laughs> Footnote. <laughs> Dang. It was a very good hymn, but the adoration was a bit over the top. <laughs> <sighs> All right, next on the list. Now my tongue, the mystery telling, which is the one I could not get out of my head because the tune is wonderful. This is pretty low on the pole, so I, I <laughs> oblige all of you to go sing it and love it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and we are oblige you, all of you, you to tell us about this hymn, even though it's not you? whole. <laughs> I mean, I really love the tune. I probably love the tune more than the text, which mm, is probably not great. But um, this is written by our buddy Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Uh, it was obviously Lutheranized for our use. I was just going to say, is he really our buddy? No. Okay. <laughs> Okay. He most likely wrote it around 1263 to introduce the festival of Corpus Christi proposed by Pope Urban IV in 1264. So it's a good thing that this text was uh, Lutheranized because otherwise it would be 
kind of heretical. Uh, initially, this festival was designated to elevate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, but of course, sinners are going to twist things. So by the 16th century, Luther had condemned this Corpus Christi festival as idolatrous because we don't worship the elements, we worship Christ. Mm. So it's Corpus Christi uh, translates to the body of Christ. Exactly. And it was a it was a festival, yeah, celebrating the communion elements. Yep. Exactly. Uh, this hymn is modeled after one by Venentius Fortunatus, the sixth century hymn that also begins Panga Lingua, which is Sing My Tongue, the Glorious I Battle. That was it. Yes. Uh, so that these is are my kind of favorite reaction. Good Friday hymn <laughs> for the cheap service. Great one. <laughs> Panga Linga. Oh, so these are kind of uh, cousin hymns. Our translation in LSB is based off of one by Edward Caswell from 1849, who was an Anglican turned Catholic. And it's a bit, a.k.a. very heavy on transubstantiation. Mm. So it's combined with John Mason Neal, again, uh, his translation from Hymns Ancient and Modern, and a few more alterations to make it Lutheran for us. So LSB does omit stanza five altogether, though, because it explicitly refers to adoring and worshiping the actual elements of communion, which we do not do. Mm. We just can't fix that one. Mm-mm. Just can't fix that. Beyond just repair. had to Boom. totally nix it. it. Yep. The original chant tune for this hymn is in hymnal supplement 98, which I did not pull out to go look at. So this, this, uh, this hymn was originally a chant. But that didn't make it into LSB because they wanted people to actually want to sing it. So they didn't do the chant tune, which makes me sad. <laughs> wow. You're the only one that makes sad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we sing it. There's a petition and yours is the only signature on it. <laughs> one vote. <laughs> I wonder how many decisions were made in the hymnal planning that were basically just because we actually want people to sing it. <laughs> probably a lot i would hope a lot uh so we sing it to a 19th century french tune and you know i love all things french mm. apparently the setting we have in lsb has been simplified a bit too much though and it ruins the harmony a bit which is kind of sad like they were explaining all the specific harmony things in the hymnal companion but i didn't want to bore you with that and also i didn't understand all of them but however i love this tune and it's so very French. Hmm. But anyway, next, speaking <laughs> of the Corpus Christi Festival, <laughs> shows up again. We have the We Adore O Hidden Savior. It's anonymous and written as a private devotion during the Middle Ages when the focus of communion was shifting from receiving Christ himself to the adoration of the elements, aka Corpus Christi Festival. And again, Aquinas was super deep into transubstantiation and this festival. So this hymn has actually been attributed to him. Hmm. But it's quite possible that his name was only attached to it so that it would be more viral (laughs) and uh, people would want to sing it because nobody really wants to sing a hymn that nobody knows who wrote it. He was a bit of a rock star. Yeah. yeah, So it's quite possible that he didn't actually write it and they just Hmm. said that he did so that people would want to sing it. World's first (laughs) influencer. For sure. Yeah. This hymn covers six and a half pages in the hymnal companion. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of history and a lot of it is about... I've never heard of this hymn. You haven't? Yes, six pages. (gasps) See the adorable hidden savior, the 
No. no still <gasps> got nothing. It's my favorite one to be like, oh, there's extra people for communion and we don't have any more hymns. Hey, hey, Cantor, can I sing this hymn for people so that they know it? It's my favorite one. Huh. It's our favorite. Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. Um, I think we tried it once or twice and then it went in the do not use. <laughs> Ever. Oh, but Damn it's chanting and wonderful. It is. So a lot of what's in the hymnal companion is actually about the tune and about neo-Gallicanism. Gal- Gallicanism? Is that how you say that? I don't even know. Neo, Sounds right. Like new French. It's yes, new French. New stuff. French. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. So you can read about it on your own and go Google it because there's a lot of actual history about uh, how the tunes for liturgy at this point in time came about. But in essence, long story short, the Gallican movement in the late 17th century was putting limits on papal authority with more authority to national councils and bishops and the state. So a lot of new liturgies were being published for all of these different authorities. And new melodies were being created in major and minor keys instead of in church modes. And they were written on four-line staves like Gregorian chant. Hmm. And rhythm wasn't really notated, so you kind of guessed it where things were supposed to line up. I love that so, kind of chaotic energy. It's amazing. I love it. And there's like all of this. The 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 note notation is all written out in the hymnal companion. It's real. It's like level up nerdy and I love it. So go read it on your own because I obviously can't show you that here. Fast forward a bit and we actually end up with several of the tunes from this era in our hymnal, which is pretty cool. Next on the list, The Death of Jesus Christ Our Lord. I can literally say I've never sung this hymn. I have. Of course you have. That's because you're no one is in this room. <laughs> Nobody. Uh was written by I don't know if it's Hakin or Hakwin Spiegel because I'm not sure if it's German or a different language. He lived 1645 to 1714, and he was influenced by none other than Johann Rist and Paul Gerhardt. <laughs> but he thought that Thomas Kingo's hymns <laughs> were the highest of religious poetry. Who's who of uh, Lutheran German hymn writers at this point? Spiegel was a gifted poet, but he was much more concerned that his hymnody was Orthodox Lutheran theology. And you can see that in the original first line of this hymn, which translates to Jesus Christ's innocent death. Not super poetic, but very particular. Um, It's been modified to fit better with rhythm and meter, which is why we now have the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But we kind of lost that ex- his explicit point about the innocence of Jesus. The translation we have is based off of the work of Olaf Olsen, who was a leader in the Swedish Augustana Synod, which isn't why I'm not sure if his name is Hakuin. Ha- How's it spelled? H-A-Q-U-I-N. But he's Swedish. Joaquin? So it, it sounds like it maybe his one of his ancestors came from Spain and was named Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was that just make- how they pronounced it and spelled it. In that would make a lot of sense because that's what my, how my brain wants to say it, but that doesn't sound German or Swedish and it's confusing my head. So yes, Joaquin mm-hmm. Spiegel. There we go. So now, now we've got the final two hymns, the top okay, two. Hang on a second. Yes. That Swedish one, is the tune Swedish? I find I often like the Swedish I don't tune. believe so. Ugh. Gottlob es get numer zu Ende. I'm guessing that's not a Swedish tune. Hmm. That does not sound Sounds Swedish. Sounds kind of Germish to me. Germish? Germish. <laughs> Germish. And now for our two top two mm. that I had to move my notes around because it wasn't a top two when I originally wrote these. It was only a top one. It's the beauty of live, right? It's the beauty of record, pre-recorded. 
<laughs> the runner-up by literally one vote, 413 to 414, is at the Lamb's High Feast We Sing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm. Not surprising to be almost number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Missed it by this much. Mm. We sing this one all the time as a communion hymn or for Easter. It's a really old text from the 5th to 10th century, which is a huge range. And I double checked in the hymnal. The translation we use is from Robert Campbell. And that was published in 1850. The tune is from 1566, though, which is why it sounds like real Reformation-y era tune, because it is. It wasn't included in TLH, however, but it was included in my little favorite book, Worship Supplement 1969, mm. which is the a good one. Whole, uh, the, the, what is it? Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch? It's got yes, the little symbol on the front the of it. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. It's red. It's a little red yep, cover. The mm. little red book. Yep. Yes. Yes. And then it was in Lutheran worship in the Easter section. And then it was moved to the Lord's Supper section in LSB, which is why there's conflict over whether it's an Easter hymn or a Lord's Supper hymn. But I say, why can't it it's be It's one of those both? classical Lutheran <laughs> both ands. Exactly. I agree. It, it should be both. It is the hymn of the day for Easter 5 for all three lectionaries. So everybody... If you're following the hymns of the day for the LCMS, everybody sings it. Everyone's doing on it. On Easter mm-hmm. 5. So we all get to sing it. And it's very appropriate uh, for Easter Vigil, my favorite service of the year. Great service. But I love this quote from the hymnal companion. The altar book does not offer recommended hymnody at that service due to its length. <laughs> so... <laughs> You can sing this one at Easter Vigil, but the altar book isn't going to tell you what to do because the service Good. is so long anyway. For once. <laughs> I chuckled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's highly appropriate for Easter Vigil because it reflects the ancient Christian observance of the catechumenate. So after a period of catechesis, learning how to be a Lutheran, new believers, or I guess a Christian at this point, Lutherans didn't exist at that point, uh, new believers would be ushered into the church in the very early hours of Easter. Mm. After baptism, they would be clothed in white garments, which represented their new life in Christ. And then they would join the full assembly of believers to enjoy the Eucharist as new members of the church, which is a really cool practice. Hmm. So our Easter vigil is kind of the modern reflection of this practice And it even includes baptism or a baptismal remembrance if you don't have anyone being baptized and the full salvation story, which is mentioned in this hymn. So if you're going to sing a hymn at Easter Vigil, this is a great one to pick. Mm. And finally, the number one pick by one vote. Mm. (laughs) I come one vote was mine. (laughs) (laughs) I come, O Savior, to thy table and also by default, because I'm going by TLH rules, thy body given for me, O Savior. And actually... I'm joking about that, but these two are actually combined in the hymnal companion because they were essentially the same hymn and then they Mm. split them up. So this is actually how it's written in the hymnal companion as well. So this was written by Friedrich Christian Hader, who lived 1677 to 1754. So this is actually one of the older hymns in this list. He was a parish pastor in the electoral Saxony about 100 years after Anna of Denmark, electress of Saxony. Whoa. Shout out to Anna. Uh, If you think the 15 stanza hymn in TLH was long, the original of this hymn was 28 stanzas. Yo. Wow. So TLH got the short version. (laughs) Quite honestly, I'd be okay if we had more 28 stanza hymns, but I may be in a small camp of people Mm, who would appreciate that. That's another one signature petition right there. (laughs) (laughs) No offense. More long hymns. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> the German hymn first appeared with all 28 stanzas in... There's some long German titles in here. Okay, here we go. Das Andachtig Singende Evangelisches Sion oder Vollständiges Gesangbuch in Zwickau in 1710. Hopefully I didn't say any bad words there. <laughs> a 21 stanza version, so they were they were chopping it down a little bit, was in the Missouri Synod's first hymnal, which was not in English and was not TLH. <laughs> the Kirchen Gesangbuch für Evangelisch Lutherisch Gemeinden Ungenderter Augsburgischer Confession. Nice. Good. Dig deep, girl. <laughs> That was the hymnal title. <laughs> Published in New York in 1847. The English translation for TLH uses stanzas 1 through 10, 14, 22 to 24, and 28 of the original German edition. And then LW shortened it to six stanzas. Yo. So short. And then LSB, we started going back the other direction. <laughs> LSB divided it into two hymns of five stanzas. They actually split them into two groups on purpose because those first that first half of stanzas focuses more on repentance and the second half of those focuses more on justification. So when they split them, there was a bit of an actual reason of these hymns have two different focuses. So. Remind me what the two hymns are that we're covering here right now. I come, O Savior, to thy table is 618, uh -huh. and thy body given for me, O Savior, 619. So they're okay. next to each other okay. in, in LSB, it. and they both have that refrain at the end Okay, because they were at one time combined as one hymn. So that's why they look like they should be the same hymn, even though they're not. Okay. So as usual, we lose some of the vivid imagery from German in our English translation. And I had to just quote this from the Hymnal Companion because it's amusing. The original German <laughs> contains some striking images not found in the translation. So the meal is my soul's pasture, the protector of the poor, the strength of the weak, the terror of the devil, the joy of angels, life to the dying, which is a German stanza 10. You are my physician, I your patient. You are my father, I your child. My heart is your little boat, and you are my anchor, my rudder, sail, mast, and wind. From the German stanza 10. And the German original is also more sensual. Now I drink from your wounds. Oh, how sweet it tastes to me. Find something here, O oh lips, that is better than Malmsey wine. That's from German stanza 16. And... I am drunk with your love. I greatly rejoice with a cheerful mouth. Now your consolation and the fire of your love have sunk deep into my heart. These are sounding like, I don't know. I, Song I of Solomon. Right <laughs> so we, we do not have those in our English translation. <laughs> a little risky. <laughs> and finally, to round out the conversation on this particular hymn, I do want to share a few of the comments that were in the group. Um, because this is like the quintessential communion hymn in our LCMS circles, so many people have stories about this hymn of singing it growing up or hearing their parents singing it. Heidi Gaiman said, In one of my books, I talk about the sound of my dad singing, I come, O Savior, to thy table. We were in and out of church when I was young, but there is nothing that sounds so much like trust to me than my dad's normally tentative and mildly off-key voice, singing that chorus like nobody's business. Mm. Exactly. Stacy Travis says, when my grandfather was ill and in the hospital, his pastor came up to him to give him communion just days before his passing. He started singing this hymn and the pastor looked at me puzzled. I joined in singing and it is still a hymn that is very special to me from that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And Sarah Deep says, a former pastor was in the Navy during Vietnam. 
Whenever things would get real on the ship, he'd say the chorus to himself and it gave him peace every single time. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. Yep. Mm. That's beautiful. <sighs> so, ladies, sing those old communion hymns. <laughs> they're the best. They're so good. There's so much rich theology. They have a lot of great tunes and we do sing them so often anyway. But I encourage you when you need a little, mm, I don't know, Lutheran theology pick me up, go find your hymnal and the communion section and find one of these old hymns and read through it or sing through it because it's amazing. The end. Wonderful. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Nice work. I'm tired now. <laughs> it's okay. We covered a lot of ground and I learned yeah, a lot. Did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. If all 28 stanzas made it back in the hymnal and they did it like the way they are doing it now, that'd be like more than five hymns <laughs> that were <laughs> just, I come, O Savior, to thy table. It might be a bit excessive. Yeah. I mean, you can dream, Sarah, but I know you would like a hymnal that's like four I, volumes I and a thousand I mean, pages. But as a fan of excess, I mean, I can't be mad. <laughs> I can't be mad at it. That one verse has what people I hear often people complaining about with some of the contemporary songs where it's like, are you talking about Jesus? Right. With that mouth. Really? So ladies, if you love these hymn podcasts and I hope you do, and I hope you learn things from them, I highly encourage you to go get a hymnal companion of your own. The, oh, I don't even know the official, I just keep calling it the Hymnal Companion. The, the Companion to the Hymns of the Lutheran Service Book from Concordia Publishing House. No, it is not cheap, but it is worth every penny. Every single one. It's two volumes. It's massive. And so fun to just like read through for funsies. Because there's hmm. just a lot to learn. So go find your own Hymnal Companion if you enjoy learning all of this stuff about hymns and their hymn writers and the tunes and the tune writers because there's so much history to all of this you know something that maybe this just popped into my head maybe some churches want to think about adding that to their library yes so that maybe individuals who aren't able to to get their own could still could still peruse check it, out. it at, the, at the church exactly one lady has commented before and i don't remember when this was that her church has a hymnal companion and they open it to the hymn of the day in the narthex oh, so wow. that people can read about the hymn of the day uh-huh. um while they're like going in or out of church which i think is a fantastic idea that really is yeah uh-huh. yeah so that is a great idea hmm. churches in your budget when, when budget season happens budget mm-hmm. that 180 bucks to get your own hymnal companions put it in the library yeah great idea if you're not in our Facebook group yet, ladies, we'd love to see you there, especially mm-hmm. uh, if you want to join in on these super fun hymn polls that show up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Voice your opinions. <laughs> join our group on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can also find us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm a goat, but <laughs> not the goat. <laughs> and I'm Rachel challenging all you fellow Icomo Savior to my table fans to go back into that poll. And let's make sure that there is a margin of victory that we can all be comfortable with. Thank you very much. <laughs> Man. <laughs> 
one vote. Come on. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. So adorn thyself with gladness. Leave behind all gloom and sadness. Come into the daylight's splendor. There with joy thy praises render. Unto him whose grace unbounded hath this a precious treasure, neither cost nor pain will measure, but the priceless gifts of heaven God to us hath freely given. Oh.
everlasting have received me. Hi, Ken. <laughs> is he yelling He's insults muted. at her? She's muted. What is he saying yeah. to her? Yeah. This is a family show, Ken. <laughs> I didn't even hear my headphones or nobody's kids. <laughs> You're lucky you heard that doorbell. <laughs> Love it so much. Okay. I heard I heard him come in the back door because he's a sweetheart and didn't come through the front door. And I just muted the microphone immediately because I know he loves to pop in and bomb our sessions. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh my goodness we're in rare form hey! today hey! i love her so much ding dong ding dong ding dong ding dong ding dong yep i knew it was her i didn't even have to see who it was I instantly was like, <laughs> even if it's okay, but that's quiet my about favorite it. Tom Burger child. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> What's that? I <laughs> said I instantly knew who was at the door before even seeing her. Because I just felt it. Her hands weren't even full. She just felt like ringing the doorbell. <laughs> oh my goodness. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds right. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is going to take right. four hours. Buddy, right. buddy, <laughs> are you all right? Are you all right? <laughs> Quick, someone call. Oh, sorry, I just like totally like breathe that swallow instead of. Do you want one? I'll throw it at your face. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna be all right, brother? Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Cool. Okay, here we go. Wow. Sorry about that. The devil so is alive today. Oh, he is prowling around like a lion. Yeah, this is going to take a while to record. <laughs> <laughs> Should I call my husband and tell him not to wait up? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I still have work to do. <laughs> I still have notes to write. Go, Sarah, go. Just run. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs>